back to Thrive Medic Podcast. It's Kate, your host, and today I am super excited. I am joined by Dr. Katie Lee. Katie is a dentist and author of Saved by the Mouth, and she has worked with hundreds of individuals to improve their overall health through a whole body approach to oral health. Um, I think this topic is super interesting, and I'm super excited to have her here. I didn't know that there was, there could really be a connection between diabetes and oral health and um, talking about like teeth and dentistry and all that. So um, I'm super excited for this. And Katie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited as well. Um, There definitely is a correlation um, between diabetes and being able to manage it and oral health. So anything that I can do to help your listeners, um, I'm happy to do so. Yeah, I'm excited to get more in depth about this. I've honestly, I've had like lots of issues with teeth and stuff like that over the years. And um, I feel like now later in my life, I'm kind of like making up for it. Um, So yeah, it's just been hard, but it's, I I think it's interesting to kind of talk about like how maybe diabetes has affected to this or added to my own oral health. Sure. Do you, um, would you mind just sharing just a little bit and you don't have to go into detail, of course, but maybe just a little bit about what you've experienced and then I can maybe talk to that. Yeah, definitely. I, I've always had issues with like cavities and stuff like that. And I think that it's kind of been like two parts to it because it, my family has had a lot of issues with cavities and stuff like that too. Um, So probably partially genetic. And then also um, just like not taking great care of my teeth um, in my childhood. And like, we always had soda around and stuff like that too. So I feel like it was a mixture of like, maybe not the best diet and then also genetics. So I've had a lot of cavities. I've had a couple crowns. Um, so yeah, not fun stuff. And now I like try to take really great care of my teeth and like make sure that I actually floss every day and all of that. That's amazing. When did you get diagnosed with diabetes? When I was 10 years old. You were 10. Okay. So a couple really important things to note. Number one, thanks for for being open and honest and sharing that. I too have very bad teeth. Um, grew up in the country, well water, no fluoride. Um, also bad diet, soda, candy, all the things. So, and I'm a dentist, so um, I love when people are honest. But just to kind of tie it back, so one of the reasons why cavities run in families is because of the uh, bacteria that's passed from family member to family member. So there are a few genetic conditions um, such as like ameliogenesis imperfecta, dentinogenesis imperfecta, things like that, that are genetic that cause you to have more cavities. But most of the time, it's literally just transfer of bacteria from parent or caregiver to child. Because when we're born, our mouths are essentially sterile. And we're introduced to the first bacteria in our lives going through the birth canal of our moms um, or C-section or whatever. And then from then on out, every time we're kissing our babies or our parents are kissing us or we're sharing drinks or spoons or utensils, we're transferring the bacteria in our mouth to our kid's mouth or whoever we're around. Um, I have a baby uh, six month old right now, so I'm really careful about this because I definitely am more prone to cavities. And so that's why cavities typically run in families. Um, There's one specific type of bacteria called strep mutans that's responsible for most of the cavities. And that's what we're passing between family members. And then that bacteria loves um, sugar. It's how it thrives, right? And so 
um, any sugar that we eat, processed foods, um, it's going to take up that sugar, uh, feed off of it, and then it actually excretes acid onto our teeth. So then when we combine that with things like soda um, or acidic drinks, you're giving it, you know, you're, you're giving an acidic environment, right. That's not good for the teeth. And then we're also giving it sugar. So those are two things, but diabetes, you know, if you were diagnosed at 10, that absolutely has a major effect on the teeth because, um, you know, when you have diabetes, you essentially have a lot of sugar floating in your blood, right? You can't, your body is not able to take up the sugar and put it into the cells for energy. And so what ends up happening is, a lot of things. Um, one is the sugar is also free floating in the saliva from being a diabetic. So your saliva is supposed to be there to protect your teeth, but instead it's filled with sugar. And oftentimes diabetics, especially type one will have a very sweet smelling breath. That's one of the signs, first signs of, of, um, a type one diabetic is sweet breath because they actually have a ton of sugar and that saliva is bathing the teeth and all that sugar. So that's one of the reasons as well. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I I never really thought about that because I obviously have heard of that symptom. And I'm sure that when I was diagnosed, I also had that. But yeah, if you have like tons of extra sugar in your system, then of course, it's probably in your saliva and in your teeth too. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. it just bathes our teeth and the saliva is supposed to really protect our teeth. Um, Something else that happens as well is when you have, when anyone has sugar in their blood, you know, what happens is the red blood cells have something called hemoglobin on them. And so when we have sugar in our blood, it binds to the hemoglobin. So that's where we get our HbA1c readings is we're actually measuring how much sugar's in that blood. And so when sugar's in the blood, it acts like shards of glass running through our bloodstream. And so over time that creates a ton of inflammation and it starts to impede blood flow and our teeth. A lot of people don't realize, but we, our teeth are like organs, not like they are organs. They have a blood supply, nerve, um, they're living tissue and they have an immune system to them. And so our teeth are supposed to be fighting off, you know, bacteria, viruses, insults, things like that to keep them healthy. But when the blood flow is impeded in the body, it also impedes it to the teeth and then the teeth lose their immune defense system. And so that's why uh, diabetics oftentimes have more teeth problems because the teeth can't fight off cavity causing bacteria or gum disease causing bacteria. Hope that makes sense. That was a lot of science there. Yeah. No, I I had never heard that before. I never realized that those two things were so connected. Um, I want to get more into obviously diabetes and how it's connected to um, our oral health and stuff like that. But first, I do want to hear more about your story and kind of like what got you into being so passionate about um, oral health and dentistry. Sure. So when I was 14, um, I was involved in an ATV accident. I was out riding a four-wheeler one day, did not have a helmet on, crashed headfirst into a telephone pole going 35 miles an hour, broke everything in my eyebrows down, everything in my face from my eyebrows down. I had my jaws wired shut for two months, um, lost a broke a bunch of teeth, uh, broke a bunch of teeth, and they just had to wire my jaw shut immediately before they could fix those teeth. Um, so my teeth were just like rotting, right? Um, cause they were broken and exposed. And then while my jaws were wired shut, I couldn't really eat, you know, anything. And so I survived on milkshakes and jello and pudding and probably all the things that you should never have, um, anyway, and let alone when you have, you know, broken teeth. And so then when they took the wires off. 
Um, I couldn't open my mouth at all. My jaw had fused shut. So it took um, four additional years, nine reconstructive surgeries to fix my face and to fix my jaw so I could open my mouth. So oral hygiene was really tough. Nutrition was really hard. Um, I became very, very, very thin, got down to under 100 pounds just because I wasn't able to eat. I had tons of dental infections because nobody could get in to fix the teeth. Um, and so I started getting elevated liver enzymes. Um, my kidneys started shutting down. And so I really felt the effects of bad oral health early on as, as a kid. Um, and so it wasn't until my senior year when I got my rib graft transplant, um, was able to open my mouth, get my teeth fixed that it finally was like, oh, this is what I need to be doing the rest of my life. And so, um, like I said, I, I just understood how much the mouth really affects your overall health. So I, became a dentist and then just started going down more and more and, and learned more of how oral health affects almost every organ system in our body. Yeah. I think that's like a really interesting story. And um, I have had a lot of dentists over the years who I just feel like have perfect teeth and like perfect oral health and stuff like that. So it's like interesting to hear this perspective on it and how this like led you to become passionate and talk about it. Cause I think sometimes it's hard for me to like, relate to my dentist when they don't understand like how hard it can be to go through like issues with your mouth and cavities and crowns and stuff like that um so it's just really cool that you have that perspective even though um I'm sure it was a lot of a lot of trauma I always joke with patients um I, I always tell them never go to a dentist with perfect teeth because they don't know what it's like to be on the other side of the chair um, which obviously I'm being cheeky, right? Um, they're great dentists too, but I've had every procedure done. Um, I've had gum grafts, I've had root canals, I've had extractions, I've had implants, I've had crowns, I've had fillings, I've had braces twice. Like, and so I think that's what's unique is when I do recommend a treatment for a patient, they know that I mean it from the heart because I've been through it and you know, I, I've lived some dentistry I've had has been great and others has been bad and it's had to be redone. And, you know, in terms of the pain factor and the anxiety factor, you know, I've been there so I can really help hold patients' hands and guide them through treatment so that they can become a lot healthier. Yeah. I can see how that would make patients feel a lot more comfortable in that situation. Um, So I want you to talk a little bit about how how exactly did you end up like learning that there was such a connection with the body and organs and stuff like that? to oral health? Yeah. I mean, my, it was a week before I graduated dental school. So I graduated school in 2010. And I remember reading or hearing about this article that was coming out saying that there was an association between heart disease and gum disease that, and that was it. And it was like this big, you know, aha moment of, oh my gosh, you know, the mouth could be connected to the rest of the body. Well, I already knew this, right. Cause I've lived it. Um, And so I just started, you know, diving in and and digging more. And then it was probably three, three or four years into practice. um, There was a technology that I had access to called access genetics. And it was a saliva test where we were actually testing bacteria from patient saliva. And then that bacteria, we'd know the levels in patient's mouth, but then we would also know what Uh, remote organs that bacteria was affecting. And so I could have a patient in front of me, look at what their mouth looked like, do the saliva test. But then I also had their medical history. And it was just very interesting that if someone had heart disease or diabetes or fertility problems or arthritis, those bacteria were very high 
in their mouth. And so I just saw an immediate correlation. And um, one of the, I think, slam dunk cases for me was I had a, a, a couple come in, they were a young couple, they were trying to conceive and they were having a really hard time getting pregnant and their OB told them to go see a dentist, which was remarkable because no one ever, you know, puts that correlation together and they happened to find me. They, they didn't know I was doing saliva testing, but they showed up and I did a saliva testing. They had bacteria that directly impeded fertility. Um, we treated her and three months later, she was pregnant. So that was like, oh man, you know, even if that was a coincidence, it was enough for me to really go down the path. So I just started, you know, learning as much as I possibly could about it and really focused my practice on that moving forward. Yeah, I've never even heard stories like that. So that's crazy for me to hear. Um, With with that, I'm just curious, like um, you talk about the bacteria that was causing issues with fertility. How do you treat the bacteria? Yeah, so most of the treatment is the same. So when there's and there's a ton of different salivary tests on the market. Um, So and all of them are great. The one that I like is through Access Genetics Oral DNA. I'm not paid by them to say that or anything. I just like it. Um, The reason I do is because, again, they give you the bacteria levels. They give you um, what distant organ systems it's affecting. They give you treatment recommendations. And then they also can test for an inflammatory marker mutation called IL-6. And if you have that mutation, which I do, your baseline level of health is inflamed, which is not good. But that also explains why everyone in my family has type 2 diabetes and heart disease. So knowing that I can make lifestyle changes to try and lower my um, immune system, lower my inflammatory levels. And so knowing those reports in the bacteria, oftentimes the treatment is going to be to get what's called scaling and root planing, which is a cleaning that's below the gum line. A lot of people have heard of it as deep cleaning before. Um, There are half of the bacteria are actually resistant to that type of treatment. And knowing that is really important because a lot of patients will say, you know, well, I've had several deep cleanings in my life and things are just not getting better. Well, that's probably because you have some resistant bacteria to that sort of treatment. So then at that point in time, you can move on to doing some antibiotic or antimicrobial irrigation. You can put antibiotics in the gums. You can use lasers to treat, um, ozone to treat it. Um, There's also a really remarkable drug out there called Periostat, um, which has been shown to have really great effects on periodontal disease and systemic inflammation. Um, that patients can take. So there's all kinds of treatments that you can do to really lower it uh, or lower your, your um, periodontal disease and your inflammation. So, but you have to test to know what bacteria you have so that you can properly treat it. So you can get the tests on your own and test for it, or is this something you would talk to your dentist about? Yeah. So you have to get it from a a dentist. Um, It's not something you can do on your own. And you know, if you go see like a biological dentist or a holistic dentist, a lot of times they'll have the tests um, and it's becoming more and more popular. So hopefully, you know, more people will be getting more dentists will be providing these tests. But one thing that I started doing now is um, I do telehealth service. So I realize that people have their dentist and they love their dentist, but maybe they don't provide the service so they can do telehealth with me and I can give them the, I can ship a test to their house, have them take it and then go over the results with them and create a care plan for them to take to their dentist uh, for treatment. Okay. 
yeah I think that's great because like I said I've never heard of these things before yeah. like, a dentist a has never brought it up to me so yeah a lot of and like I said you know there's less than oh my gosh I'd probably say less than three percent of dentists are doing this um, and it's so important and it's going to become more mainstream but until then you know, I'm hoping that those of us who are doing this service can do some telehealth and just try and help bridge the gap for patients. Yeah, definitely. So you wrote a book um, a lot about all these topics that we're talking about yes. called Saved by the Mouth. Um, when did that book come out? Because I'm curious, you know, like I said, like I haven't heard of all these things. So it seems yeah. like you're way ahead of this. Yeah, I um, wrote the book and it came out in, at the end of September, actually. So um, what I decided to do, I was a chairside dentist for about 13 years um, and I owned a bunch of practices across the country. Um, I was partnering them. And so I decided to sell all my offices at the beginning of 2023. I had a baby. um, And then I decided to write this book called Saved by the Mouth because um, I feel like this knowledge is so important. And like what you said, it's not well known, even in the dental community, a lot of dentists don't know this. And a lot of, you know, even less physicians know about this. And so my thought was, is like, let's get this information out there. Let's make it easily understandable and readable for people. And so I wrote the book for patients, actually. Um, I wanted, you know, lay people to be able to read it and understand just how important oral health is. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. I was reading through a bit of it. Um, and of course, like skip to the diabetes part because I was yeah. interested in that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the story that you have in there? Um, about the patient who was struggling with uncontrolled diabetes yes. and also struggling with oral health and kind of the um connection that you found with that. Absolutely. So she was a, a long-term patient of mine. Um, I, you know, was probably her dentist for over a decade. And she was an older woman. She had type two diabetes and she just could never quite get her A1C level under control. I mean, she was always rocking at like a 12 to 14 A1C, which is very, very high, not healthy whatsoever. And oftentimes when you're above eight, dentists won't even treat you um, because of risk of post-operative infection and diabetic coma. And so we could never quite get her to the level that we needed to do treatment and her teeth because her A1C levels were so high. She had all that sugar floating around in her saliva. So her teeth were rotting away. Um, The other thing that happens is, like I said, when you have the um, sugar in your blood, it causes chronic inflammation. Well, that chronic inflammation over time attacks your salivary glands and causes your salivary glands to stop producing saliva. So then patients will develop something called xerostomia, which is a medical term for dry mouth. And again, our saliva is supposed to protect our teeth. So when we don't have uh, saliva in our mouth, our, our teeth just decay even faster. And so she started, you know, getting cavities everywhere. We couldn't save the teeth. Her teeth became very brittle. She had gum disease and we kept, you know, taking out a tooth at a time. And she did pretty well with, with those surgeries Um, but that's not quality of life, right? When you're missing half your teeth and her gums were so dry and swollen and sore that we couldn't put in partial, uh, dentures or fake teeth for her because it would rub on her gums and it felt like sandpaper. And so she came to me and she would just say, you know, doctor, I just want to die. I just want to die. And her daughter was like, you know, can you please do something for her? And so I said, you know, we're, we're at a turning point here. She only has a few teeth left. If we don't do something, she was having a lot of stomach problems because she wasn't eating healthy food at that point. She couldn't chew. 
So I was like, we can try and do something. It's against all recommendations, all, you know, licensure rules, everything, but I can work with your diabetologist. Um, I can work with a periodontist and we can take all of our teeth out and try and replace them with implants. And that was really risky again because of post-op infection and healing. And um, they said, we don't care. Let's try it. So we did salivary testing up front. So I knew exactly what bacteria were in her mouth and what treatment to do. We rendered the treatment ahead of time. Um, I put her on periostat, the medication I was talking about, that's really effective. Um, and what periostat does is it's a, it's an antibiotic, but it's given at a dosage that doesn't uh, do antibiotic uh, therapy in the body. What it does is it lowers inflammation. So we put her on periostat. We pre-medicated her with antibiotics, took the teeth out, rebuilt her mouth with dental implants, and she healed beautifully. And within like six to eight weeks, she came back in and her A1C level was below eight. And her diabetologist called me and was like, what the hell did you do? And I was just like, I removed her teeth and got rid of the infection in her mouth. And that made a substantial impact on her A1C. So we got lucky there with the outcome. Uh, It was a very risky procedure, but it just goes to show how much your mouth affects your A1C. Yeah. And that does make sense because I know like when I have infections in my body or like sicknesses, stuff like that, I definitely have a harder time controlling my blood sugar. So if you have like an infection in your mouth and bacteria and all that type of stuff, I can see how that would definitely affect A1C. Yeah. You know, periodontal disease, what we know, and it's kind of like the, you know, perio diseases is inflammation in the mouth, whereas diabetes is inflammation in your blood vessels. And so it's the same mechanism, essentially, it's just at a different location in the body. And so we don't know if, you know, perio causes diabetes or diabetes causes perio, but what we know is they happen together oftentimes. And we also know that if a diabetic has periodontal disease, if it's not controlled, their A1C cannot be controlled. So just by getting periodontal therapy or gum therapy, it reduces A1C by 0.4%, which is huge. Um, So it's really important that diabetics just maintain a healthy mouth so that they can have a good A1C. Yeah. What, what exactly is gum therapy or what do you mean by that? Just like flossing or is it a specific type of therapy that you do? Yeah. So, um, most of it, if someone has gum disease um, or inflamed gums, that's that scaling and root planing that I was talking about, the deep cleaning, and then just making sure we're using adjunctive therapies such as the antimicrobial rinses or lasers or ozone or things like that. Yeah, that's what I mean by gum therapy. Um, so what what would you say for diabetics specifically um, and just like taking better care of their teeth, um, having better oral health, what would you say or what kind of tips do you have? specifically related to diabetics. I'm sure it crosses over with what everyone would do, but yeah. Yeah. So there's first off, there's some really important supplements that I think would be great for everyone to take, but especially diabetics. Um, they would be vitamin A, uh, vitamin C, vitamin C is really important for gum tissue and for wound healing. Um, and it helps build our immune system. So vitamin A, vitamin C, Uh, You want to take vitamin D3 with K2. So there's a, you don't just want to take D3 alone. You want K2 to be part of that D3. And the reason why that's important is because K2 tells vitamin D to take calcium and put it into your bones and teeth. 
without K2, vitamin D will put calcium in your blood vessels and kidneys and, you know, everywhere it shouldn't be. So make sure you take D3, K2, uh, magnesium and fish oil. So those are the supplements I would take. Fish oil is really great for anti-inflammatory. Um, I would make, I would really encourage anyone with diabetes to get a saliva test and an I an interleukin six test if they can. Um, and then I would really recommend to do three month cleaning. So the reason why that's important is we know that the bacteria in the mouth after being cleaned away, repopulate every 90 days. So if someone has diabetes, they're really high risk for infection and inflammation. So I would really recommend, even if they don't have gum disease, to get cleanings every three months to prevent gum gum disease. Um, electric toothbrush is a must. Um, brushing for two minutes twice a day. I would floss morning and night with string floss, not floss picks. Floss picks are good for getting, you know, food out of your teeth when you're at lunch. They're not good for keeping, you know, your gums healthy. Tongue scraping is awesome. It helps remove all the bacteria that is staying on the tongue. Um, And then what works really, really well is actually something called xylitol. So xylitol is a is a um, sugar substitute that's naturally forming. And what it does is the bacteria thinks that it's sugar. So the strep mutans will pick up xylitol and they eat it, but yet they starve because they can't process it. So it helps kill the bacteria that causes cavities. And so there's a lot of xylitol products out there. Um, But I would just suggest getting like xylitol chewing gum, because when you start chewing that gum, you're releasing the xylitol, which will kill the bacteria. But chewing gum actually stimulates saliva, which is really great for our teeth. So you kind of get to kill two birds with one stone. What um, do you know a specific brand of um, gum that sells that? I have not heard of that. Um, You know, I wanted to say the pure gum. Have you been to um, like sprouts? Yeah. Let me see pure gum ingredients. I'm pretty sure that has um, xylitol in it. But if you just go to like Amazon, there's so many different brands out there. If you just go to Amazon and type in xylitol gum, like you're good to go. Yeah, great. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, that is so many tips. So I will definitely write those in the show notes for everyone. The pure gum, it is, is xylitol. Yeah. Okay. You want xylitol to be like the first ingredient. So always look at that too. Um. But yeah, anything with xylitol and it's going to be amazing. Okay, great. Um, I have one last question. So with diabetics, um, I know you just gave us a ton of advice on that, but I feel like it can be kind of hard because of course, like we're managing blood sugar highs and lows. And when our blood sugar drops, we're either drinking juice or candy or fruit snacks or whatever it is. Um, Like since we kind of have to manage it that way throughout the day do you have advice for like should should a diabetic maybe like brush or mouthwash like half through halfway through the day if they had to eat extra sugar like if sometimes you have like a blood sugar low at night yeah um, and you have to do something yeah, yeah or what would you suggest for that yeah so um I have a sweet tooth I'm a dentist horrible teeth I have a sweet tooth Um, but there's ways to manage it. Like what you were saying, right? You're going to have to have glucose because you have to get your blood sugar up. So what I would say is absolutely do not brush right away. You want to wait at least 30 minutes after consuming glucose to brush your teeth. Otherwise you're really just brushing the sugar right into your teeth. So make sure you wait 30 minutes. Um, what I would do is after consuming the glucose, make sure you, um, take water, 
and kind of, you know, put it in your mouth, rinse it around and then swallow it or spit it out. One of the two, that's totally fine. Um, and just doing those two things are going to be enough to really keep everything at bay, but don't combine your glucose with acid. So don't take glucose, you know, don't drink like a Coke, right? Like if you're going to have a glucose drop, take pure glucose, sugar, whatever, but don't combine it with an acid because then you're just doing like a double whammy on your teeth, wait 30 minutes and then, and then, um, brush your teeth, but definitely, I mean, diabetics should be brushing more often throughout the day. Um, you know, it's Christmas season right now. So I'm eating a ton of cookies, which yeah. is so bad. So I have my water with me and, you know, I, I brush and floss multiple times a day during this season, just because of that. Um, you know, in terms of toothpaste, I would definitely, there's people who are pro fluoride, which is fine. Um, I really like using the Tom's toothpaste. Uh, the reason I like Tom's toothpaste is because it, it doesn't have all of those other nasty chemical ingredients that aren't good for you. Um, and you can get Tom's with fluoride uh, toothpaste if you'd like. There's another um, compound out there called um, nano hydroxy appetite. That's been shown to be just as effective, if not more effective than fluoride. And then you're not, you know, dealing with all the the thoughts about fluoride being poisonous and neurotoxin and things like that. And nano hydroxy appetite is actually used in NASA. Um, So it's a great compound. You can look for a toothpaste that has that in it. Boca is a really good brand. uh, B-O-C-A. People can get that on Amazon. And then there's um, another compound called arginine. Um, Arginine has been shown to be great at fighting cavities. And so people can look for toothpaste that is high in arginine. I I believe it's like the Tom sensitive toothpaste for sensitivity has a really high level of arginine in it. Um, That's great for fighting cavities. Good to know. I have sensitive teeth too. So there you go. They should look into that. Sensitivity. Yeah. Use that and really stay away. So if you have sensitive teeth or diabetics, I would stay away from any whitening toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not going to be good for your teeth and it's going to cause more sensitivity and then same with mouthwashes. You don't want to have any mouthwash. And this goes for any patient that has alcohol in it because alcohol is drying um, to the mouth. And so if it's burning, that's not a good sign. A lot of people, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, they wanted, you know, scope, right? Because it would burn so, so much that when you would take it, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. No scope, no alcohol, mouthwashes. Right. Well, those are really great takeaways. I feel like we have so much. Um, any any last takeaways maybe that we didn't touch on diabetes and oral health? No, I just I think it's just um, really important to know that oral health plays a massive role in, in helping manage diabetes. Like we talked about, there's, you know, small things that you can do to help mitigate um, the effects that diabetes will have. You don't have to make ma- massive life changes. The book is a really great resource, um, Save by the Mouth, because I have a whole back section that goes over small lifestyle changes that you can make to help improve your oral health. And then if people want um, salivary testing, they can just go to my website um, and book a consult with me and we can do um, salivary tests for them. Great. Yeah, I I feel like I've learned so much in this session. So thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you online, your website, um, where you sell your book, all that. Sure. So Save by the Mouth is um, available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, They can go to my website, katieleedds.com. 
to book uh, telehealth with me. There's all, it'll also link to the book that they could purchase. Um, telehealth services are on there and then um, they can find me on Instagram at Katie Lee DDS. Um, and feel free to go on message me if, if people have questions. I love talking about this stuff. So I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Great. Thank you so much for doing this. Welcome. I have all of your stuff linked in the show notes. So Perfect. people can find you there. Thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Uh-huh.